I'm Christina. And this is Erin. And you're listening to Something to Wag About. I would like to talk about some recall tips. Let's do it. Okay. There are a million and one blogs and videos and all that stuff out there on how to start a recall at your home in low distraction environment, you know, reward them for looking at you, teach little recalls in your kitchen, all that stuff. So I don't really want to go into that. But what I was wanting to talk about is a few tips for when you actually do take it out into the big world and how we can help people be successful. Because I think a lot of people are very successful at home around low distractions, but it's My dog comes when called if there's not water, if there's not another dog, if there isn't a squirrel. This is kind of getting from practicing in your yard to actual real world events that I think people struggle with. So the first thing to consider is whether or not your dog's needs have been met and has your dog had ample opportunity to just get out, move their body, sniff the trees, pee on bushes, do whatever it is that your dog needs to do. And we want to make sure that's in place before we start training the recall while we're out. And we do that by going out on a long line. So lots of time going out, just letting your dog sniff and run around a bit and just be a dog before we actually start teaching recall. So if you go out and your dog's all bottled up and their needs haven't been met and there's a squirrel and there's you, it's just going to, for most dogs, going to send them up into a, an overdrive where they can't hear you. They can't They're so excited they can't learn. So we want to go out and take care of that piece first. Yes, I absolutely agree because I find when it comes to recall and just in general off-leash time, people really tend to have a hard time trusting their dog, which I get, kind of have their boundary. And that's a little different for everyone, how, how far away they're comfortable with their dog going. And I see a lot of people get worried and they really want to control their dog a little bit, even when they're off leash in terms of what they're allowed to sniff and all that type of stuff. Uh, You know, if they're allowed to sample that funny poop, all that (laughs) stuff, I find people are really hesitant to just let their dogs be dogs. So meeting those needs first on the long line. I'm a little curious as to what your thoughts are and if you have tips, because I get a bit of people a little worried about using long lines, particularly with these dogs that do have a lot of pent up energy. So they tend to catapult themselves forward. um, And especially for some people who might have a bit of mobility issues, or they just don't have the strength to manage that if their dog does hit the end of the Mm -hmm. leash, you have tips on that. The number one thing I'd say is use a a harness to protect the dog and well-fitted harness that doesn't restrict their shoulders and put the long line on the back clip. That would be ideal. That way, if they do get tangled up, they're not putting pressure on their trachea or getting all turned upside down. There's two other things that I recommend for people that are worried. One, have a long line that's longer than you actually want to use. So if you want to give your dog 20 feet, which is a nice, decent length, you'll want 30 foot line. And then you're going to hold it at the 10 foot mark. Then if you see your dog starting to run, you can just apply some friction. Gloves might be good to the line to slow them down. You got 10 feet there to just apply friction to slowly slow your dog down, letting it slide through your hands rather than they're running. And then all of a sudden they're at the end. And right before I start, when I see that, when they're starting to come to where I'm holding it um, and I'm going to start applying friction, I'll give them a cue. I use easy 
to let them know that they're getting to the end of the rope. And then I'll slowly, I'll start applying the pressure, the friction to the line. And so I slow them down rather than, than just, you know, a 60 pound dog hitting the end of the line with me on the end of it. One of us is going down. <laughs> yep. rather, that might have happened a time or two before I learned that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that because not only is that helping with the controlling leash so that they're you're both not going to go flying through the air, which is always lovely. It also is helping, and I actually do use these cues with my dogs after they come off long lines uh, to to slow down a little bit. Um, I, my dogs now know what easy means to, to just back <laughs> off a little bit on their speed. So yeah. I think that's also very helpful. The, the other thing that I like for people to do, if it's a big dog or if the person has a sore back or sore shoulders, I like to go uh, send people to the tack shop, the horse supply store to pick up a trailer tie meant for horses and to put that on the line. So it's a, a bungee, a very strong bungee that we can add to the length of the leash so that when the dog does hit the end, if you weren't watching or you get caught off guard or if they get caught around a tree, the end closest to the dog has a very strong bungee on it. So it's not an abrupt stop. And that I think is a, a major safety thing, especially if you've got you know, a 90 pound dog and a 90 pound person. We need, we need some shock absorption. That is a wonderful idea. Well, thank you. I had yeah. not thought of that one. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, cross ties work too. They're a little longer, which is nice. Yeah, but the bigger the bungee, the more expensive it is. Um, the other one I have is a is for biking with your dog, a coupler. I think it's made by Canine Equipment. That's a really it's got a really nice bungee in it. It's two clip on each end, an O ring in the center, and that I used a lot too with uh, bigger dogs. Awesome. So we have our dog's needs getting met by first getting some of that freedom on a long line. What tip do you have next? Well, everybody probably knows that you should reward your dog for coming when you call them. And you can have a piece of cheese or a piece of steak or a piece of kibble, but it should be something that your dog wants. But more important than what you're giving your dog is how you deliver it. The delivery of the reinforcer, especially when it comes to recalls, is as important, if not more important than actually what you're giving your dog. A lot of the times when we're calling our dog back to us, those hard repetitions, those hard scenarios, it's because they see something they wanna play with, a person, a squirrel, another dog. Uh, you know, I, I can't pray drive towards a squirrel's play. If you just hand them over a piece of steak, that steak might not seem all that exciting compared to what they left to come back to you. So I like to deliver the treat by tossing it in the same direction that the dog is moving. So if you're calling your dog and your dog's coming, coming towards you, I'll hold that treat out and I'll toss it so my dog actually runs past me to get it. The dog's coming in, I'll hold that treat out, I'll say, ready, 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 and I'll toss the treat so the dog gets a power through and extend and run even faster to get his cookie. Yep, and it even works for toys. Oh, yes, you can definitely do that with toys if you have a toy drug. If we can reinforce recall with play, Ferenzo's pine cones, <laughs> uh, then we'll have a higher success rate. Rewarding recall with food is what most people like to do. And that's when I throw it. But the toy tug or throw the ball or whatever, the key is I want to throw it in the direction they're already running. I don't want them to have to stop and turn around and go back towards the squirrel to catch the ball. Yep. You know, when you, when you think of the 
the picture perfect movie recall person standing there calls Fido Fido come Fido comes running in Fido sit leash gets on and they march off into the sunset together um that that's not really real life that's a trained trick and I think a lot of people think that that's what a recall should look like in a well-trained dog and I'm here to say it's not that's something for the obedience ring but it's not something that you need or that benefits you when you're recalling your dog away from other dogs or squirrels or kids on bikes or what have you. Yeah. And it's also, you know, there's absolutely cases sometimes where you are going to call your dog and it it is a leash goes on and, you know, off we go to the car or that type of thing. But that is the rarity with my dogs in terms of when I'm recalling them. Uh, I'm much more frequently recalling them off of something, off a dog or that type of thing. They come in for their toy or piece of food and then off they go back into the world. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that we we never get that, you know, come to us and stay with us. I, I never, even if I'm bringing my dogs in to come to and stay and, and I like that you're talking about the movies, I never bring them in to do some sort of, you know, obedience type trick because that's just not going to ever compete with <laughs> what you're going to be calling your dog away from. no. That's for sure. The ratio of recalls to you for a yummy thing and then to be dismissed, which is super important. Send your dog back out there to go visit if it's a safe spot or go sniff or go do whatever the dog wants to do. The ratio of those recalls where you feed them, reward them, uh, and then dismiss them. Say, go on, go be a dog, go do dog stuff, go visit that dog, whatever it is you want them to do. Um, That ratio should be much higher than the ratio where you call them in and then take away all their fun. Yeah, I'm going to just like, pause and underline because I think so many people don't don't even realize it's part of a recall but you're talking about the dismissal because so many people do just bring their dogs in feed them a treat and then keep walking and they kind of just leave their dogs in limbo be like you called me in I got a treat and now I'm kind of just left hanging here it's so important to then dismiss your dog back to the freedom dismiss them back to do whatever they want which might even be what you called them off of it's such an important part of the recall that I think people just don't think about so to be mindful of that part is important yeah I have one more piece of advice for recalls recalls are tricky there's a lot of pieces and every dog's different what they like is different what's what they need training to recall away from is different and you know, how we reinforce them, how often we recall them just for practice. It's all different depending on the dog. There's no one perfect formula that's going to work for all dogs. So one other piece is movement. Recall doesn't really make sense to our dogs. They're canines. They're not humanoids. They don't use words the same way we do to communicate. So we can teach them all of our words. I just use my dog's name or pup, pup, pup um, as a recall, but they don't know that naturally. But what dogs do know naturally is that if we take our bodies and turn and walk away another direction, that makes sense to them. They understand that we're all should be going that way, or at least the provider of all of the amazing toys and food in the world is going that way. So they should probably come too. I use that in my recall. So I'll call Fido, 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 and then immediately start moving in the other direction. That teaches the dog that, hey, when they hear you yell out, Fido, 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 they should look because party is moving over there. And that's what the recall predicts. So that movement piece helps use the dog's natural body language to teach them to follow us when they call, when we call out those uh, funny words. With the idea of you moving away, a lot of times people call or even when they just, when their dogs have 
stopped or maybe wandered off into the bush just a little bit. You can still see them, but they're kind of off in the bush. People have a tendency because they're worried about their dogs running off or that type of thing. They have a tendency to stop and watch their dog or stop, go find their dog. Like they might back Mm -hmm. up a little bit on the trail, wondering where their dogs are. And dogs can learn then that it's more on us to to keep up with them versus how you mentioned it, that you're, you're always moving away from your dogs and Mm -hmm. it's enacting their natural instincts to kind of stay with their, stay with their pack and that type of thing. So it's a really good point. And it's hard for us to not always be wanting to be close Mm -hmm. to our dogs and checking Mm -hmm. in and, and keeping them close to us and all that stuff. But it, it really is amazing how much it helps with recalls and just our dogs staying with us in general. If we just leave it up to them a little bit to keep an eye on us and to watch us when we call them so that they have to come to us versus the vice. I always like to say, and someone else said this first, I didn't make this up, but I pictured bubble boy but the real, you know who Bubble Boy is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or if you don't know who Bubble Boy is, go watch, go watch uh, the movie. <laughs> the, the picture, you're got a giant bubble around your body. And if you walk, you're pushing your dog out with that bubble. So what? if you walk towards your dog and that bubble is, I don't know, 40 feet diameter, you keep pushing that dog with the bubble away from you. Whereas if you run the other way, it's like an elastic band on your waist and you can pull the dog towards you. That's amazing. I love that analogy. Oh, good. I was going to say, so I true. don't think it yeah. makes sense and we should edit it out. <laughs> no, it totally, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me. I, mean, I'm a, I don't know. I'm a dog trainer. It makes sense to me. And it's so true. Everybody else listening should let us know if it makes sense or not. And we'll go back and edit it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hi, mom. I think that'll be our one listener. <laughs> All right. Do you have a funny story or anything you want to talk about? Tell us about something happy you want to tell us about to end this topic? I think it's, you should, you should say something happy. Okay. Well, I had my oh. last wonderful story. So <laughs> I had, I had a really great walk with my dogs today. I just had the three of them out. And as I was walking along and everyone knows um, Jubilee is a bit funny with dogs. She doesn't like anybody in her space or anybody staring at her. She's a bit of an introvert. And so I'm walking along this logging road and it's just beautiful. The sun is out and I'm looking at the hummingbirds and I look up ahead of me and my dogs are probably, I don't know, 50, 60 feet away from me and probably 30 feet away from them. I look up and see two big dogs (laughs) run into the woods (laughs) on my trail. (laughs) No people in sight. I'm, I'm walking up a hill. The people were there. They were just over the hill. So I called all three of my dogs. They all came, which I was a little bit worried about because Enzo's become a bit social. So I'm I'm fine tuning his um, recall and really reinforcing that when he comes back. So I called the three of them and they all came back and I made a plan to train Jubilee as they walk past us rather than just manage. Because often when I'm out hiking, I I don't feel like training. I just want to manage when other dogs walk past us. So I threw a whole handful of cookies down into the brush for Enzo and Max. And then Jubilee and I played the look at that game as these dogs and their people who caught up to them and leashed them. Thank you. Very nice people. (laughs) Um, They walked by about, I don't know, six, seven feet from her. And she calmly and happily and without any stress, no growling, no hunkering down, she was able to play the look at that game with these two big puppies as they walked past us. And that, that made me very happy today. Wow. What a good girl. 
Yeah, she's such a good dog. That is excellent training, Christina. <laughs> she's she's come a long way. No, that's amazing. That, yeah, uh, she did, yeah, she did a great from from having a meltdown a football field away to to six. Yeah. Six feet. Yeah, and no one pity. of these was like a big bouncy bully breed puppy intact male kind of guy adolescent and i was just wow. like oh he's he's uh he's one of our harder types wow yeah so that's my fun that's my fun happy story do you know what my puppy did but just your puppy- just, just ping-ponging off of that um uh pippin opted out of a walk today so just billy and i went and as we were heading back to the car there were these two lovely goldens that were on leash so i put on v v on leash just to just to make sure she didn't go say hi and this pack of dogs it looks like some dog walkers are starting to bring packs of dogs out there so this pack of dogs ran up to these two goldens which i I felt a little bad for those owners. Um, the, the dogs were reactive. So there was a, there was a bit of a chaos going on there, but lovely V when that happened, we were probably only about mm, maybe 25 feet away. I, I wasn't that far. I was pretty close behind these people. Uh, lovely V looked, her little tail went up. She was starting to get excited, but she looked back to me Aww. to see, to see what to do, mom. And Aww. then we, we, she got her cookie and we just walked in the other direction to give her some space. And I was very proud of her. Good she didn't me. she didn't decide to go to the end of the leash and try and control the situation so <laughs> i was very proud of her that's a very good young border collie not yeah. not being in control of those chaotic dogs <laughs> yeah. she, she does like to to do that usually 